Howdy all, and welcome to the Private Citizen, your personal weekly data privacy podcast. I'm Fab, and I am reporting from my studio just off runway 33, Hamburg International Airport, where I am, of course, in self-imposed coronavirus quarantine, because we don't want to catch the disease that's going to kill us all, do we? No, we don't want to do that. Today, this is episode number six for Wednesday, the 11th of March, 2020. Um, today, we're going to talk about a virtual dragnet nightmare. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about what they call geofence warrants, which is something I recently learned about. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. Interesting story here. Let's let's tell you all about it. Well, that's what we are gonna do today so um, before we get into that though um, I would like to quickly address episode one where we um, talked about I uh, talked about the company Clearview AI which is a company that basically aims to um, aims to um, to collect all the as far as I can tell, all the um, images that are out there publicly on the web and then build a database so that police can take a photo of you, upload it, and then, you know, link it to all your, all the social media accounts and immediately know who you are. Now, um, I um, reported on this in, in the first episode and, you know, talked about many details there. Uh, but something new uh, came up that uh, I was made aware of. And uh, there's a story on a medium by a guy called Dave Gershgorn, who, uh, as far as I can tell, is a medium staff writer. Apparently, they have several publications. One's called One Zero. And in this piece, he writes about um, the fact that Clearview AI, apparently, as early as August uh, 2019, had said uh so this the story is based on um on leaked emails um he's gotten a hold of and these emails are basically from clearview employees to um police officials uh people at police uh, departments and um sorry i just i need to adjust my uh my pop shield on my microphone here a bit don't want to don't want to have these these plosives blow out your ears. Um, yeah, so it's an email between a, Clear, a Clearview employee and a police department uh, official. And Clearview is basically... So the, the police is asking, can we upload our mugshots that we have um, to the system so that we then kind can find, you know, people with those? And Clearview is saying, ah, oh, basically, nah, I can't do that at the moment. Um, we are kind of working on on a on a system where you can upload your stuff, but that will might be superfluous anyway because we are working to acquire all mugshots that are available in the U.S. Uh, from the last fifteen years. And um, apparently, as early as August, they've worked on that. We don't really know if they managed to to get that to make that happen, but it it seems likely um, as the story points out um it's not quite clear how many uh mugshots that would be 
but uh, the, it is known that the FBI's National Facial Recognition Database uh, in the U.S. has 30 million mugshots. And um, it's not unlikely because there are other companies who do this, uh, who do basically what Clearview does uh, for mugshots. That that was something that company, companies were doing for a long time. Clearview kind of revolutionized it by going to the, you know, to all the other photos that are available on the web. Um, but there's there's a company called... What they're called now? Um, uh, Vigilant Solutions, uh, which has 15 million mugshots from public sources. So, um, also the story says the Clearview AI employee also told the Green Bay Police Department that it was developing a way for its customers to upload their own images to the company's app. So they were apparently working also on that. This would allow police departments combine their databases with Clearview AI and then of course give them even more images. Great, which what can possibly go wrong? Um yeah, I just wanted to give that as a little update because I, I saw that and I thought that is worth mentioning. And with that, um let's get into the main story, shall we? So um this whole my interest in this whole geofence warrant thing started with a story um, that I was sent by a Patreon supporter in the Discord channel. And um, we have this little private Discord channel. And by the way, uh, as always, you can read along to all of this. Um, if you go to privatecitizen.press, there is uh, show notes, uh, in this case for episode six, and there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, I kind of quoted a lot of the news stories because you never know. They might take him offline, whatever. I want I want to have like a permanent record. Also, I want to have that while I'm doing the show. And sometimes even big news sites go offline and then it's kind of unhelpful. So, I, so I, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, there's also, of course, all the links to the sources so you can look it up yourself if you don't believe me or, you know, want more information, whatever. Um, yeah, so this started with a story that NBC News broke of a um a cyclist who um found himself and we will come to that as several times uh, today found themselves uh as a suspect of a crime he didn't commit yes you heard that correctly kind of like 10 years ago a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit these men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Yes, kind of like that, <laughs> just uh, just not as 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 spectacular. So this is a guy who um, likes to ride his, his bike, and by bike I mean push bike, as in bicycle, not motorbike. Um, for me, bikes always will always be a motorbike. Um, <laughs> I'm old fashioned that way. Um, he likes to ride his bike around the neighborhood because I guess he wants to, you know, become more fit or whatever. And which is, you know, just good. And uh, he's he likes to track himself uh, while he's doing that with like an app, right? As many of us do, I use an app when I'm running. Um, although I might have to overthink that seeing the story. 
Um, so she suddenly got an email from Google. Um, and it was from uh, what is called Google's legal investigation support team. Quote, writing to let him know, or letting you know, uh, that local police had demanded information related to his Google account. The company said it would release the data unless he went to court and tried to block it. He had just seven days. So this guy's like, what the fuck? Uh, so he's like, you know, guy guy isn't dumb. He's like, okay, there's, there's a clue here. Um, this includes no information, but it includes a case number. So he goes to his local, so this is in Gainesville, Florida. He goes to his local police department, goes to the website, looks up the case number, and sees that this is, um, finds like an investigation report about a burglary of an elderly woman's home uh, 10 months earlier. And um, this, so somebody had broken into this, this house, and this house is kind of like close to him close to his neighborhood uh where he lives as in his neighborhood and uh, he's like well that's weird but he's like hmm maybe i shouldn't go to the police they'll just arrest me um so he goes home to his parents and talks it over and they decide okay that's this is this seems serious let's let's dip in our savings here and get a lawyer um, which I guess is smart in this, these situations. Never talk to the never ever ever talk to the police. If if you ever saw seen that talk, look that up on YouTube. Google never talk to the police. It's a great talk. Um, so he he was smart. He's like, okay, let's get a lawyer. Uh, so uh, the lawyer, Caleb Canyon, dug around and learned that the notice had been prompted by a geofence warrant police surveillance tool that casts a virtual dragnet over crime scenes, sweeping up Google location data, drawn from users' GPS, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and cellular connections from everyone nearby. So this is um, a bit like the topic we talked about a few shows ago, where basically this is app uh, location data. Um, and now this, this guy, McCoy is his name, he's like... Um, Still confused, but he's like, why? What's going on? So he looks at his phone and he realizes that he uses RunKeeper, um, which is an app to record like his bicycle rides, right? And then he looks up um, his route for that day when the burglary occurs. And he sees that he's like went past that house three times while he was doing like rounds on his bike. And... uh Quoting from a story, it was a nightmare scenario, McCoy recalled. I was using an app to see how many miles I rode my bike, and now it was putting me at the scene of the crime. And I was the lead suspect. So, um, how, how does this happen? Um, classic fishing expedition, I would say. So it, it turns out how this works is, um, the police has like a, no, report in this case of burglaries like 90 97 year old woman and they have no lead basically in the case um, which with burglaries is, is often the case and um what they do is they uh, go to google and say well we had well they go to a they go to a judge and get a warrant and uh, with this warrant they go to google and say well look it's been this burglary uh at this location at that time um, would you please 
give us uh, cell phone data, location data for phones that were around the area. And what Google does, Google dips into uh, what they call uh, their uh, sensor vault, which we're going to talk about a bit later, um, which is like a database. And um, they they go in there and they take the time and the, the place and then they dig out information on lots of cell phones and they anonymize those phones like they give each device just a random number and then they send that to the police then the police goes and looks at the data and sees if there's something suspicious in this case you know a guy that went around the house three times before the burglary or whatever um so they're like oh he was scouting out the place and then they go back to google with uh two three specific devices where they say this is suspicious and then google gives them as per the warrant what information they have on those on those phones um obviously police kind of likes it um they you know there there are quotes in the story from like a former retired lieutenant with milwaukee police who says it's a great tool and a great technology um and says i would think the majority of citizens in the world would love the fact that we are putting violent offenders in jail armbrusters this guy's name sam um the thing here is yes we do (laughs) you know we don't have an issue with that we don't have an issue with you putting bad guys in jail the problem is not that the problem is the methods you're using or uh, as I, th- I believe Ovid uh, said, uh, you know, this, this classic uh, exitus acta probat, also known as um, the ends justify the means. Um, that is a very slippery slope. Uh, and especially somebody who, as somebody who lives in Germany and who studied history, uh, German history as well, um, you know, always is very clear on how the end justifies the means is um, is a problem because basically you can justify almost any means um, with saying it's for the greater good, um, and what what privacy and civil liberty liberties advocates are saying here, uh, is, and this is. Um, of course, all of this based on U.S. law. And I realize, I mean, this is something that is only happening in the U.S., I think. Um, but it is still very important for the rest of us. Um, this is important for all of us because if you look back at the history of technology at the last 20, 25 years, um, you see one thing again and again and again. The U.S. is just where all this technology is developed um, and it's just ahead of all, all the other countries. Uh, where you might be or where I am. And what happens is something like this basically gets... The, the US is always the test bed. This, this kind of stuff, these kind of techniques um, get prototyped in the US and then they come to our countries. And then our legal system and our lawyers and our police say, well, look, it works in the US. And so this this concerns all of us. But in the US, of, of course, civil liberties advocates are saying, so this is 
This is un un unconstitutional. Because in the US, you have constitutional protections for unreasonable searches. So basically, the if some if 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 there's a robbery, right? Police can't just say, okay, uh, we saw the robber run to this block of flats, and now what we're going to do is search all flats until we find the loot. They can't do that. They can get a warrant to search your home, but then same in Germany. Uh, but they need probable cause. They need to show that it is very, very likely that they have other clues and due process that 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 shows that you know that they have a reason for searching that home. And if you don't do that, um, if you if you do it the other way around, if you first go looking for stuff and, and then you arrest somebody or then you get more information on them because you found something in this first thing. That's what we call a fishing expedition. Um, and luckily in this case, um, this guy McCoy got an email. I mean, that they even do that by email. It's like, yeah, I mean, in Germany, you'd be like, what, what happens if something like this ends up in your spam folder? I mean, something like this, uh, I don't know should be delivered securely right i don't know anyway at least he got like a mention uh, uh, a notice uh, because google has a policy to do that but um this is this is obviously uh a big problem so how did uh, this guy lawyer this guy's lawyer go about fighting that then um the story says uh, there have been very few court challenges to Google geofence warrants, mainly because the warrants are done in secret and defense lawyers may not realize the tool was used to identify their clients. One exception is an accused bank robber in Midlothian, Virginia, who is fighting the charge by arguing the geofence warrant used against him was illegal. Uh, the case is pending. We're going to talk about that in, in a second. Um once McCoy realized his bike ride had placed him near the scene of the crime, he had a strong theory of why police picked his device out of the others swept up by the warrant. He and Kenyon set out to keep them from getting more information about him and persuade them that he was innocent. Kenyon said he got, the, he got on the phone with the detective on the case and told him, you're looking at the wrong guy. On January 31st, Kenyon... Okay, this is all the stories from the beginning of this year. Kenyon filed a motion in Alachua County Civil Court to render the warrant null and void and block the release of any further information about McCoy, identifying him only as John Doe. At that point, Google had not turned over any data that identified McCoy, but would have done so if Kenyon hadn't intervened. So Kenyon's the guy's lawyer. Kenyon argued that the warrant was unconstitutional because it allowed police conduct sweeping searches of phone data from untold numbers of numbers of people in order to find a single suspect. That approach, Kenyon said, flipped on its head the traditional method of seeking a search warrant in which police target a person they already suspect. Quote, this geofence warrant effectively blindly casts a net backwards in time, hoping to ensnare a burglar, end quote, Kenyon wrote. Quote, this concept is akin to the plotline in many a science fiction film featuring a dystopian fascist government, end quote. I kind of like that guy. <laughs> Sounds like a great lawyer to have. Um, and his approach worked. Um, so basically what this did is prompt the police officers to look like aside from you know having the data blocked and you know the warrant 
made null and void. It obviously prompted the police to actually look at that data um, because not long afterwards uh, they got in contact uh, the attorneys, uh, the state attorney's office um, that represented Gainesville Police Department told him um, that you know they believed his client wasn't a burglar, uh, and then they withdrew the warrant, uh, asserting in their court filing that was no longer necessary. So basically, he got his he got his client off the hook. Uh, he he did that pretty well, um, but. It's kind of like the the thing he then did was like they looked at the data and that kind of showed that you know if they they like then look closer at the data and they were like okay if you look at all the other like the data you can see that he's just riding his bike and he was doing that all the time so it's unlikely that he's the burglar um, they haven't they haven't caught the burglar now they don't know. I have no other leads apparently um but uh so then he got like a visit from the detectives and they're saying well they're not considering his client a suspect anymore and so he he dropped like the legal challenge um as this article uh sums up uh the case ended well for mccoy Kenyon said but the latter privacy fight will go unanswered and what we see here I mean, first of all, this is a very interesting story, uh, just from the from the you know investigative details and all of that. But it's it's an interesting story because we can learn. Um, I thought I'd bring this up and bring this on the show because I want everybody to learn what a geofence warrant is, you know, and how to fight it if you ever happen to to be caught by something like this. But this is also a great story um, because this is a perfect example for this the straw man argument that is always brought when they bring in like you know when when they bring in like draconian laws and and methods for the police and privacy advocates um call call that out then there's always this argument well you won't have anything to fear if you're innocent what this shows that this is utter horse shit it shows you that innocence doesn't protect you. The guy was completely innocent and he would have probably ended up in jail. Um, he might have gone acquitted in the trial or whatever, but you know, that, and, and the, I'll talk about another story in a bit, which is more serious, where the same thing happened. And we have, we have a bank robber who's in jail because of the item. Guy maybe did it, if you read that story kind of looks like he did it but still like people end up in jail because of this and you know the whole you have nothing to do with absolute bullshit um but what it also tells us is that people who are generally privacy focused and you know i'm i i would think that all of you who are listening to the show right now are generally aware of privacy issues otherwise why would you be listening to the sh the show maybe you like my 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 luscious voice so much um i would i would take that as a as a reason uh but uh <laughs> no i'm guessing you're you're interested in privacy issues and and you know we we think about these things but it shows that even if you do so you might overlook something crucial because this story 
uh, describes this McCoy guy, so the, 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 the bike rider, as follows. For most of his life, McCoy said he tried to live uh, online anonymously, a habit that dated to the early days of the internet. Kind of like he sounds like he's about my age, right? Um, when there was less expectation that people would use their real names. He used pseudonyms on his social media accounts and the email account that Google used to notify him about the police investigation. But until then, he hadn't thought much about Google collecting information about him. Just before the start of his ordeal, he'd listened to a call-in radio debate about the Department of Justice's fight with Apple over access to an iPhone left by a Saudi national who'd gunned down several people at an airbase in Pensacola, Florida in December. He remembered some callers saying they had no problem with law enforcement having access to phone data, arguing that people had nothing to worry about as long as they didn't break the law. The classic strawman argument. Now McCoy thought the callers weren't considering predicaments like his. Quote, if you're innocent, that doesn't mean you can't be in the wrong place at the wrong time, like going on a bike ride in which your GPS puts you in a position where police suspect you of a crime you didn't commit, McCoy said. I thought that was a that was a great example, both of why you know that argument's obviously bullshit, uh, and it's a good thing to bring up if somebody quotes you that argument, and also that even somebody who uses acronyms often, or you know, there's there's, there's people who do all these little things to try to protect their privacy, but often they overlook things, you know, like the your cell phone cell tower data pinpointing you, um, how much that tells people about you metadata all this kind of stuff i thought i thought that was very interesting but aside from the guy's case this this specific case which is an interesting story i think there's a more serious thing that is happening here and that is the rise of geofence warrants um because if you read another story from the same writer uh this is also on nbc um so nbc news story he wrote a story in december writing about how geofence warrants just seem to be increasing and how it's used more and more uh and according to his research there have been documented cases in north carolina minnesota virginia arizona and elsewhere there are now even contractors who offer to help police uh help them with with getting these warrants and using them um google said according to the story google said it only produces location history data if served with a geofence warrant and has fought attempts to get such information without one the company did not provide information on how often it received those requests its transparency reports show that the number of search warrants sent to the company more than doubled in the past two years to 19,046 from july 2018 to June 2019. It is the digital equivalent of searching every home in the neighborhood of a reported burglary or searching the bags of every person walking along Broadway because of a theft in Times Square. Um, I mean, this is a story about another, uh, this is the, the, the bank robber thing, the bank robber guy in Midlothian. And this is like what his lawyers said um, in a court filing. Without the name or number of a single suspect and without ever demonstrating any likelihood that Google even has data connected to a crime, law enforcement invades the privacy of tens of hundreds or thousands of individuals just because they were in the area. 
prosecutors say that the search was legal because Chattery, that's the alleged bank robber, had opted into Google's location services, allowing his Android phone and the company's apps to track his movements. And they say police avoided collecting personal information from people unconnected to the robbery. Now, I think this argument is not going to hold up because, you know, terms of service, whatever, uh, whatever, I sound like a fucking millennial, <laughs> whatever. Um, man, I need to sip some more Earl Grey. I heard that helps against coronavirus. So I'm just doing that. So Captain Picard told me. Um, I mean, we talked about this in episode three of this show, and um, you might want to go back to listen to that, or you know, look at the show notes if you if you want more information and you haven't heard it. Um, basically, in the U.S., the Supreme Court, in a very specific case, but pretty um, pretty clearly, uh, said this is a case called the Carpenter. Carpenter was the United States, I guess. So also known as the Carpenter decision, uh, the Supreme Court said you can't use cell fo- cell tower data to, to track people. You can't just get a warrant for cell tower data. It's like putting a uh, um, one of these you know these these ankle things, these these ankle digital you know digital ball and chains or whatever on somebody's ankle and just tracking them all the time. That is just not that just does not fly under the Constitution. You can't just do that to a suspect um so basically now the law enforcement can't use cell tower data so what they're doing and what i talked about in episode three uh which which i entitled um private sector surveillance bleeding into government is what they're doing is they're evading this by not using the cell tower data they're going to apps that people use and get their location data from there and in many cases they even get better location data from there i mean they get you know all the sensors and they can get so much more stuff. Um, sometimes now it's even real time. I mean, Seltos is always real time, but this is even, even more granular and it's, it's even better because people don't need to actively like, um, you know, use, use, use their phone or whatever. Like they get, they get very, very, very granular data. And it seems like, it seems likely that in the US, the Supreme Court will at some point decide, if they keep the stance, um, that this app data is unconstitutional as well. Because there just needs to be like a case that percolates up to the Supreme Court where somebody argues, wait, you said they can't use towers, cell towers to track somebody, and now they use app data. I mean, yes, I agree to the terms of service, but, you know, who gives a fuck? I mean, my cell phone provider can is allowed to track me by def- must track me by definition for the cell tower. I mean, just because I'm saying, yes, yes, you're allowed to do that. Basically what you're doing is you're, you're just circumventing that Supreme court decision. So it seems likely that the Supreme court is going to say this doesn't fly either. Um, but I think until that happens, we need to fight this. And for the aforementioned reason, we need to fight this hard. Everybody needs to be aware of this. Uh, if you're in the U S or not, um, I can't speak to your local laws, but certainly in Germany, something like this. Um, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I can't give you legal advice, obviously. But uh, to me, my first, uh, my 
I always said, I'm, I'm thinking in the, about German law so now, so I almost said my verständnis, my verständnis of the law, uh, of the Recht, uh, <laughs> my understanding of, of German uh, law and of certainly, you know, my, my, my understanding of the letter of the law, because I'm not a lawyer, is often not as good as the intention of the law. I think I often understand the intention of the law quite well. And if you inter interpret that, it's pretty clear that something like this wouldn't fly in Germany either. Uh, because in Germany, we have the same constitutional protections. We have uh, we have due process. Um, I think we even have generally higher um, hurdles for a warrant, uh, you know, for a judge to give police a warrant to to look at something and fishing expeditions like this. I feel I'm very much not in the the intent of of the of the laws. Now interestingly what I learned about through all of this, through all of these stories, what I learned about um is how a little bit, I mean this is all internal Google stuff, so we don't really know, but we learn a little bit about how Google stores this data. They have a thing called Sensor Vault. And there's another great story. So if you have the time, I got some snippets of it in the show notes at private citizen or press. Um, but there's a link to the New York Times story, which is worth reading. It's in its entirety. Um, it is it is a great story. As much as I, shit as I give the New York Times from time to time. This is from April 13th, 2019. So a bit older. I missed this when it's completely missed this when this originally got reported. Um this is um this is a story about a man um who actually went to jail only for a few weeks but he went to jail you know for uh, a murder he didn't commit of ago, course the commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit these men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the los angeles underground Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe, maybe you, can you can hire the A-team. I think if you go if you go to jail for a crime you didn't commit, you should you should get issued a little like soundboard thing that like a key fob that you can carry with you where you you know where you can always play that intro for yourself. He went to prison for a crime he didn't commit. Um, so, so this is a guy who. Um, this is a story about a guy who. Well, it's a story about the whole. Basically, it's a it's a story about uh, two offense warrants. But like the main the main story um, is about this this one guy who um, they so there was somebody shot, um, I think from a car. And they had like video and stuff, and then then they uh, like got a geofence warrant, and th they were saying, okay, it's just this Molina guy, uh, Jorge Molina, I guess his name is. Uh, this is a story from uh, Goodyear, Arizona. Um, it's him. Like he's he's the killer. Send him to jail because they had like geofence, and then they found like okay, you. There was a there was a picture. They had video of the car. They didn't have license plate, but it looked like this guy's car. Put him in jail, and then it later turned out that it wasn't that guy. It was like his his mother's ex boyfriend, I guess, uh, who sometimes borrowed the car. And just like that, you're in jail. <laughs> um, 
But the story is not only interesting for all the details, it's also interesting because it tells you a bit more about what the sensor vault is. So they're talking about these geofence warrants. Uh, quote, the, war the warrants, which drawn on an enormous Google database employees call sensor vault, turn the business of tracking cell phone users' locations into a digital dragnet for law enforcement. And talk, talk a bit about what that what that is. Sensor Vault, according to Google employees, includes detailed location records involving at least hundreds of millions of devices worldwide and dating back nearly a decade. According to several current and former Google employees, the Sensor Vault database was not designed for the needs of law enforcement, uh, though. Uh, raising questions about its accuracy in some situations. Though Google's data cache is enormous, it doesn't sweep up every phone, uh, said Mr. Edens, the California intelligence analyst. This is the guy like, quoting, obviously. And even if a location is recorded every few minutes, that may not coincide with a shooting or an assault. Google often doesn't provide information right away. Investigators said the Google unit handling the requests has struggled to keep up, so it can take weeks or months for can take weeks or months for a response. But despite the drawbacks, detectives noted how precise the data was and how it was collected even when people weren't making calls or using apps, both improvements over tracking that relies on cell towers. Um, I don't think that's completely correct because obviously cell towers ping your phone uh, even if you're not using it, but they ping it in intervals, right? And uh, often it's also not that's like it's triangulation right so often it's not that precise i mean that was not a technology that was originally built to locate your phone it's a technology to so that your phone can keep in contact with you know with the network uh, whereas gps <laughs> is specifically built to very very clearly locate your device and there's other things on phone, you know the wi-fi uh, triangulation, the Bluetooth triangulation that Google does, you know, mapping known access points to your location if you don't have GPS or that. I mean, you just just open just open Google Maps right right now on your phone, and you know, you know how, you know how how well that triangulates you. And okay, all these stories about Google, uh, but we have to assume that other companies are doing this as well. And are served warrants, and if they're not, there will be served warrants at some point. I think they're just using Google because Google is ubiquitous. Um, obviously, you have, if you have an Android phone, you are always completely tracked, unless it's a Google-free Android phone, which is, is possible but hard to do. Um, if you have an iPhone, um, obviously Google Apps. You know, if you use Google Maps, and also like if you use that Run Tracker app, I mean. There are lots of apps that use Google's infrastructure for either storing the data or, you know, figuring out location or anything. So any app that sends location to Google, obviously they're put into their their vault, uh, their sensor vault. Um, yeah. And uh, so this explains, the story explains again, I, I went through this, uh, how this works, you know, uh, how they specify an area and a time period, the police and then Google gets information from Sensor Vault about the devices and labels them with anonymous ID numbers. Um, and then the detectives come back and then get the detailed information. Now, obviously, it's not new that technology companies have responded to these requests for user information, but what 
what seems to be new with this development is specifically these fishing expeditions, which means that there's legit crime that's happening and there's police that is looking looking for the perpetrator, which isn't bad. That is all good. But in this method they're using, they're basically violating the privacy of hundreds, maybe thousands of people for the simple reason that they used that they used that they were in the area and Google has their information. So they just wander into the crosshairs. Um and you know that is just not not good. Uh Another quote from the story, often Google, empl- often Google employees said the company responds to a single warrant with location information on dozens or hundreds of devices. Law enforcement officials described the method as exciting, but cautioned that it was just another tool. But like dozens or hundreds of devices, which means, you know, fishing expedition. Um, it's unclear how often these search requests have led to arrests or convictions because many of the investigations are still open and judges frequently seal the warrants. The practice was first used by federal agents in 2016, according to Google employees, and first publicly reported last year in North Carolina. So yeah, last year, that is 2018. The story was published in 2019. It has since spread to local departments across the country, including California, Florida, Minnesota, and Washington. This year, one Google employee said the company, this 2019, received as many as 180 requests in one week. Google declined to confirm precise numbers. Quote, there are privacy concerns that we all have with our phones being tracked. And when these kinds of issues are relevant in a criminal case, that should give everybody serious pause, said Catherine Turner, a Minnesota defense lawyer who is handling a case involving the technique. So the guy this guy who was um who was in jail for the murder he didn't commit mr molina 24 said he was shocked when the police told him they suspected him of murder and he was surprised at the ability to arrest him based largely on data i just kept thinking you're innocent so you're going to get out he said but he added that he worried that it could take months or years to be exonerated i was scared he said. I mean, we're talking murder here, right? There are <laughs> states in the US where there's a death penalty on the book for this. Um, current and former Google employees said they were surprised by the warrants. Brian McClendon, who led the development of Google Maps and related products until 2015, said he and other engineers had assumed the police would seek data only on specific people. The new technique he said, quote, seems like a fishing expedition, which is basically, I guess, what it is, right? And this is, again, Silicon Valley. These are not talking about the companies and the executives. I'm talking about the engineers working on this code, largely uh, very progressive people, people who are often doing the work they're doing because they want to better humankind. And they... um. You know, their work is often then turned, turned into something bad and they don't see it coming. Like, like this guy who developed Google Maps, right? Who didn't see this coming. And I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. We will now say, well, it's obvious, but you know, if you're there at that moment, you're developing that, it might, you know, at that point, you might legitimately not have, having seen it coming. What we need to know and, you know, Lots of you listening to this, I'm guessing, 
from just based on the listenership from my other shows um, that I did in the past. Some of you will be software developers and they will be working on stuff like that. Just, you know, think about stuff. Th think about stuff like that. We now know we have these first cases where technology like this is turned into something bad. Think about what could happen. Um, by the way, I would love if you're listening to this and you want to tell me what your background is or just, you know, just ping me, say, hey, Fab, um, you know, I'm listening to your show. I would love that. Um, I will give you in a bit, I'll give you the details, but basically you can go to privatecitizen.press and there's contact details and just shoot me an email, basically. Um, I love that. I love if people get in contact with me. I'm, I love feedback. Um, when you do a podcast like this, especially when you're doing it on your own, you're doing it a bit into like I'm speaking into the void here, right? Um, so I, I, I love it when people just, you know, tell me about this stuff. Just to end this story, um, just a little, some other interesting tidbit from that story. So what data is stored? So the story says uh, in 2009, uh, the company, I, I, as in Google, uh, introduced location history, a feature for users who wanted to see where they had been. Sensor Vault stores information on this is the New York Times, by the way. Uh, so it's not my words. Sensor Vault <laughs> stores information on anyone who has opted in, allowing regular location of uh, a regular collection of data from GPS signals, cell phone towers, nearby Wi Fi devices, and Bluetooth beacons. People who turn on the feature can see a timeline of their activity and get recommendations based on it. Google Apps prompt users to enable location history for things like traffic alerts. And you know, things like traffic alerts. Information in the database is held indefinitely unless the user deletes it. So now you know what you definitely need to turn off um, if you don't want to ever land in a digital dragnet like this. And, you know, I mean, with all these other things where they were saying, well, you've got nothing to worry about if you're innocent, you know, often that, that would kind of fly because people would not. This wouldn't happen to them, but you know they're doing this now. Something happened, especially if you yeah, if you live in a little village. You know this is not going to happen to you most likely. Um, and then if something happens in a little village and there's like ten houses on the street, you'll be in the dragnet anyway. You'll be in the old-fashioned dragnet. But like in a city, right? I live in Hamburg. There's like how many? I don't know. Even this apartment complex I live in, there's like hundreds of families here, right? Um, I I there wouldn't go and you know if something happens like even if they go door to door and ask everybody that would be a lot of work um but with this like with something like this i mean in big cities you know there's always some crime or other happening you know there was there's there, there's been some burglaries around here there have been like pizza delivery guys been threatened uh you know so basically here uh, with a threaten them with a knife hand over the money that kind of stuff um, you know, this kind of stuff happens. There's been cars been stolen, destroyed, vandalized, all this kind of shit. Um, and now it's like something happens and you're like just in the area, you you live within 500 meters and bam, they have your cell phone data. And then you just like look like suspicious because you did something that other people don't do. I don't know, because you're, you're a nerd or I don't know. You like, you like to run and like your, your route is like where the crime happens or something. I, it's definitely something. Something to think about. Yeah, that that was that topic, um, and I I find one aspect uh, that was in here that I found interesting was um, this. They were talking like in just in this last bit, they were talking about this opt-in thing, and I've read a very interesting story recently on like um, 
yeah well it's like a more an opinion piece but it's like about this opt-in thing and how like opt-in re is really an illusion i'm probably going to do a show about that in the near future i just wanted to let you know about that but uh anyway let's talk about let's talk about the feedback uh I was saying that I love uh, when people write me, and that is definitely so. And uh, recently, I had feedback mostly in the Discord channel that we're running for like the people that support the show, which is a little feature you're getting if you if you're doing that. You know, if, I feel like if you if you're like kicking me money each month, there should be at least a little something I can give you. Which in this case, it's like just quick access and and the ability to chat with me. But it's also very helpful for me. So I was said, you're not only listeners, you're so producers of the show. If you write me stuff and you tell me stuff, you give me feedback, you give me pointers for new uh, for new ideas for new episodes. It's always great. Um, and I had in this case Rookie M. Um, who basically uh, said in the Discord channel, and I, I will quote him, kudos to Fab for having the last crap-free website in the history of humanity. I might make a little bun of that and stick that on my, actually, website, Fab Industries. Um, I think this was in reference to the HTTPS privacy thing, because I'm very, um, since I'm I'm starting to, you know, in the last few years, I'm, I did a lot of writing on 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 security, and then uh, I found uh, privacy more and more interesting, and I got into that. And since then, I've been thinking a lot about that. And you know, I, I try to keep my web website free of trackers and all of that. <laughs> Literally, sometimes when I do like a new theme or something, one slips through, but you know, people will tell me, and I, I there I also appreciate the feedback. So uh, I thought that was that was great uh, from Ricky M. Uh, thanks for the nice words, man. Um, I try. Uh, and then Niall Donegan, who's been one of my most ardent uh, Patreon supporters, who's in the Discord all the time. He's great. Um, he um, also on the HTTP HTTPS discussion um, told me about um, HTTP colon slash slash. Got to say this. This is like the the nineties or whatever. HTTP colon slash 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 light dot cnn dot com. I can't even say that anymore. HTTP colon slash slash light.cnn.com which he says was purposefully built to work over http as he elaborated uh, in this particular case the brief i guess for the web designers was to put as few requirements on the on access uh, few requirements to access the site as possible hence why it works on the pure http as well as https actually heard a really good interview with one of the people involved but can't remember which podcast it was on Anyway, thanks for the great information. Um, bit of a shame that they have real-time tracking cookies on that page, though. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, and Niall also uh, provided me... Niall, I hope I said, said that correctly. Niall Donegan. Very very Irish. Um, also provided me with the topic for this episode. Um, he sent me a link to this very story with the bike-riding guy. And I thought that was fascinating. I have to do a show on that. Um, so, if you have thoughts, you can contact me. There's a link in the show notes. Links everywhere in the footer. PrivateCitizen.press. Um, it's basically, it goes to FabIndustries slash contact, which is HTTPS. And there's, a, there's an anonymous contact form there on there as well. Um, yeah, and aside from that, um you help out you become a producer to the show if you help me 
if you give feedback, send me links, send me improvements, whatever. Um, but you know, I kind of, I'm a freelance journalist and I need to put bread on the table and I spend actually quite a few times, uh, quite a few times. I spend quite a lot of time preparing this. If just, if you look at the show notes, you can kind of guess how long that takes and recording the show and everything. So it is always appreciated when people pitch in, um, to keep the show on the air, um, which you don't have to do. I don't want you to feel like you have to, but, um, as they say on no agenda, where I kind of stole this concept of value for value, think about what the show was worth for you. Like this hour, what do you normally do? Do you watch stuff on Netflix? You know, how do you pay, how much you pay for that? Where you listen to this in a cafe? Did you just drink two lattes? How much did they cost? You know, stuff like that. How much do you spend on beer when you go out at night? You know, um, maybe just kick me a few bucks or whatever your currency is. You know, think about that. And you can become a patron uh, by using Patreon, which will basically is like a subscription thing. You can do like one dollar a month if you want, um, which is kind of a helpful thing because it's kind of like a, a base I can build on. And it's like a bit of, like, you know, so I can depend on that a little bit and I can kind of gauge how much work I will put into the show uh, based on that. Uh, but you know, you can also, uh, just PayPal me money to producers at fab.industries, producers at fab.industries, uh, which Ali Buchan, uh, prompted me, um, to set that up. And I think that's also a good idea. If you don't want to deal with Patreon, it's a valid thing. And I will give you credit with everybody else because I'm big into giving credit. And if I ever miss somebody, please write me and I will fix it. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's it for the spiel, uh, toss a coin to your post podcatcher. No. Yeah. Well, that probably too, if you're listening, you know, you know, if you're using a free podcatcher, probably help them out as well. But what I meant to say was to toss a coin to your podcaster. Anyway, as they say, it's, it's getting, it's getting, this is getting it's probably coronavirus. It's probably starting to eat my brain. Oh, Gray's not helping me anymore. Um, speaking of credits, before I end the show, I'd like to give credit to everybody involved and um, everybody who helps out. So at first, that would be Raul Kabezali. Maybe he'll write me at some point and tell me if I pr pronounce that correctly. <laughs> anyway, uh, he composed and recorded the great theme. Th theme th I can't just coronavirus theme song <laughs> uh, that I use for this podcast. It's a, it's a song called Acoustic Roots. I'm also thankful to ByteMark at ByteMark.co.uk who sponsor, um, basically provide me the server I use to um, distribute the audio files. Um, they, give, they have given me that for free for years. I've been using it for several shows. Now it's running the private citizen which is awesome, and I love them for that. A great hosting company from the UK, bitemark.co.uk. And then, last but not least, all the people that keep this show on the air by uh, helping out financially on Patreon and via PayPal. And those people are Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen from Denmark originally, uh, Jonathan M. Heavy, George Walther, Dave Kaisiers, Matt Jellyman, Fadi Mansour, Joe Poser, Mark Holland, Steve Hose, 
Butterbeans, Shelby Kruver, Dave Amrish, Vitautas Sadowskis, I, I think I said that wrong in the last, last show, Vitautas Sadowskis, that's one hell of a name, Ricky M, Drive Zero, and Ali Buchan. So thanks to all of you. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I salute you and bumping the mic uh, because of that uh, for pitching in. Um, if you do that or if you don't, I don't care. I'll still put a show out every Wednesday. So I will see you next Wednesday. Um, until then, stay free, stay private, and don't let the law or the government catch you. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. <laughs>